The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com Hello and welcome to another edition of Hidden Horsepower presented by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. My name is Joe Costello. We have got another great show for you. Before we bring on our guest, I want to tell you that Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal is skyrocketing up the charts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We thank you for subscribing and sharing and writing reviews about this podcast, a deep dive into the world and the mysteries and the science of engine building. It has been great. On this episode, we are going to be co-hosted by Lake Speed Jr., who is the head troublemaker, so he says, at Total Seal, and one of his mentors, the head engine builder at Joe Gibbs Racing, Mark Cronquist. First, Lake Speed joins us now. Lake, are you ready to do an interview with one of your mentors in the engine building world? Uh, I am speechless right now. I'm, I'm nervous as I, uh, you know, I can be right. It's just kind of neat. I, uh, I, we saw on last episode. I'm a listener of Hidden Horsepower too. I listen to every episode and think it's great and excited to, to be able to have Mark on here is really cool because you know, honestly, without Mark, there's no way I'm standing here today able to do this podcast. So it's, that's kind of amazing, you know. It, well, it's got to be a very interesting position to be in that your career has gone off on its own trail now with Total Seal, but not really in a different arena. You're still uh, you're still a tribologist. You're still thinking about the oil beneath the ring, right? You told us that last time. You got to keep the oil from the, the crown of the piston and you'll be OK. And uh, that's what you did when you were over there. Well, exactly. That was, you know. That was kind of the neat part about, you know, this growth, the total seal is that, you know, that, that path to how I get the total seal, you know, definitely goes right through that engine shop and through Mark and all the guys there at Joe Gibbs Racing. You know, that's a big part of my life and, you know, total seal and is a, was a big part of the engine program. I mean, every engine they built over there still has total steel piston rings in it so it's uh it's still like being family you know it's not it's different but it's not too far removed okay so without further ado let's bring him on he's the head engine builder at joe gibbs racing responsible for countless championships including 2002 05 15 and 2019 and also oversaw massive switchovers in manufacturers and pumps out many many of the most cutting edge engines in all the motorsports mr mark cronquist mark welcome to hidden horsepower how are you good morning gentlemen i'm doing great Mark, I'm at home right now, but I'm doing great. <laughs> well, yeah, and the circumstance is obviously a bummer, but uh, when we return to the racetracks, everyone will be prepared as they can possibly be. It's going to be some great racing. Oh, yes, of course, always. Can't wait. I'm, I'm actually I'm supposed to be in uh, San Felipe, Mexico this weekend at the Baja, or at the San Felipe 250 right now, and I'm kind of kind of bored out of my head right now so you guys picked a good time to call well perfect now before we uh bring lake back on and uh i really want to hear you guys kind of talk about some of the experimentation that went on i'd love for you to talk a little bit about lake in that 
Uh, he just flat out said he, he gives you a lot of credit for where he is today, your work, your creativity, etc. But what did you see in this young man that made you think this is a good guy to uh, to bring along and to uh, to put in charge of so many different things? I tell you, he, he talks highly of me, but I, I think I talk more highly of him. I still call him my oil god, so... Any, any question I have about any oils, rearing gear oil, transmission oil, engine oil, anything, I always call Wade because when he first started working that driven in the early days, it was crazy watching him study and learn and take classes. And, I mean, within six months to a year, he knew everything about oils and was making changes in the right directions. And even if we made a change in the wrong direction, we learned from it and made it, you know, said, oh, that didn't work. Let's go back. And we were always smart enough to go back and say, okay, why didn't that work? Learn from it. And then eventually maybe it did work with some more additives or something else. But that was all Lake and the guys that he worked with. That's, you know, I'm kind of when it comes to oil, I 100% trust Lake Speed on what he does for me on oils. And now it's good that he's in the ring business because now I can trust him 100% on the rings. So. Well, you know, we we did have a bit of a dream team um, put together back when I came over there, and you know, and, and Mark did give us, you know, like I mentioned in the previous, you know, podcast with Keith that you know, the resource that Mark gave us, you know, to be able to have, you know, three or four, you know, cup engines, brand new cup motors, you know, to be able to go try different things with. I remember, you know, that Asteric VM we talked about it in the previous. Um, uh, episode mark with that one stuff that was like you know was like four or five horsepower better brand new and then it used what like so much oil we had to stop the dyno like 100 miles into the race simulation yeah. you know it's stuff like that it we had that ability to to try it and you know we had guys like bill abraham and mike mucha and and doug jane who were just brilliant guys that i was able to learn from and then it's just the perfect you know storm and then you know, like you said you know now yeah, being at Total Seal, we've we've already started trying some stuff, you know, with like the Total Conformering and the JD1 engine. You know, it's it's to be able, to, you know, you give us the resource, Mark, to be able to try things, and that's you can't learn if you don't try, you know. And I just have always appreciated the fact you you trusted us when we probably didn't do anything on the front side to deserve the trust, <laughs> you know. Oh no. Trust me. Well, first of all, we have to give Mr. Gibbs credit because it's his money that I spent. So it's, we have to make sure that's the number one thing that it's, he, he let us have a big playground that we, even the guys at Uber's all. And I mean, it was fun for a long time because it was stuff that everybody wanted to do, but really didn't have a place to do it. in. I know Mike and Bill and them guys, they were like, Hey, this is fun. We're learning stuff that they couldn't learn in their labs because they didn't have the type of motor that we had. And I think, the good thing about it all, I think everybody learned from it. Everybody that was involved in the projects learned something from it, you know. So that was the great yeah. thing about all of that. It is credit to Coach Gibbs. You're right, I me. Mean, he's been one of the most amazing people ever worked with in my life. You know, he did. He right. created an environment that that, that that made all that possible, you know. Yeah. Fitting, which is why, you know, the, the, the brand-new engine that you developed um, that's already a winner, the JD1, is named appropriately – after JD, yes, sir. That's yeah, it's a little bit it means a lot to me to have his name on that engine, especially 
especially going out and winning our fourth off-road truck race with it. That was even cooler. I mean, it was the one of the best pictures of the of the truck that's on in magazines and stuff has the Joe Gibbs Racing Engine logo and JD went right behind it. And that probably meant more to me than anything in the world. So that was cool. And uh, really honored to have have work for him and, and Joe and Corey and everybody there. So, Mark, in terms of staying power, well, you've had you've had staying power at Joe Gibbs Racing. You've had success over a long period of time, and uh, it's challenging for anybody in any field to to stay and stay at the top. And even uh, there's a fluctuation, you know, you get the tune-up and you lose the tune-up and then you find it again, right? When you're in your business, you've got some of the most competitive people in the world that are your competition. But how have you been able to stay cutting edge for all this time? Well, it's, I think it's a drive. I think it's uh, winning's first, you know. I mean, you can win a lot of races and still when you cross the finish line, it's, when it's still a good day, you know what I mean, when you're happy, but man, I tell you what, there's a lot of other engine builders out there trying to beat you and, you know, knock you off the pedal still. I mean, I mean, probably the guy, one of the, the two guys I probably want to beat more than anybody is Doug Yates and Jeff Andrews from Hendrick Motorsports, Doug Yates from Rush Yates. Man, I just, I do anything to, I like to beat them two guys. I, I mean, we're almost like brothers, but I mean, it's nothing better than to go out and beat those guys in a win or something like that. It's, that, that's probably what drives me more than anything is just beating those guys, having as good a motor, better than theirs, durability is like theirs and stuff. Because I, you know, I look up to them guys too. And it's, you know, you, uh, it's hard to, it's, you have to have a drive to do it. I mean, you have to push yourself. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here right now designing parts for, uh, one, a part on the JD one motor. You know, most people are probably at home doing yard work and stuff. And my yard does need to be mowed by the way, but, you know, it's just a drive to keep pushing to to be on top. You know, well, it, it's that it is. It's the competitive nature. You know, you know, you know. Mark's from a place where most people wouldn't even think about. You know, somebody from NASCAR being from the Mark Griffin, Alaska. You know, <laughs> you know, and you you come from Alaska down to the Carolinas, and you you know you you know. Interestingly enough, Mark was over at um, Bahari. You know, the team that. Uh, Michael Waltrip drove for when they had the Penzoil deal, and um, Michael Waltrip, you know, pretty famously punched my dad, <laughs> you know, after the Michigan <laughs> race. And I, th- I think Mark may have been working on the team at that time, you know, uh, you know. But anyway, it, so there's it ends up there. But as I said, it's that that drive to keep always pushing, you know, which you know led to some things. So uh, Mark, so I got to tell you, you, you got to complete the story. So in the previous episode i kind of teased you know about some of our crazy things we tried that didn't work and i started to tell the story about the water-based oil uh so i'll just kind of tee that up and let you kind of finish that story (laughs) at least you're making pull out the old archives i remember that 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 was that was some awesome horsepower making stuff but is that not the one that evaporated really quickly I mean, I think we didn't didn't the water base burn off when it got hot. Yeah, see, that was the problem. You know, we we had this great idea that okay, you, you know, well, obviously water's low viscosity. That's going to be a really great yep. deal. Yeah, but of course, you know, the engines run in vacuum. They don't run in atmosphere. You know, the crankcase is not at atmospheric pressure. It's in vacuum. And um, 
while the water temperature, or say the oil temperature, the lubricant temperature, we'll call it that, right, because there's a water-oil mixture, was lower than 212 degrees Fahrenheit, which is the point at which water will you know, evaporate uh, at atmospheric conditions. But somehow or another, we, although there's a bunch of smart guys involved, somehow we forgot the fact that the engine runs in vacuum, and that lowers that temperature. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that was uh, that was a great idea, except for that part. I think, I mean, that right. oil, if I remember right, it made four or five horsepower on off of our baseline oil at the time, and it was like this is great. And then, man, it was it disappeared pretty quickly because, like you said, the vacuum lowered the boiling temperature. And nowadays, I mean, you know, I mean, we run three hundred degree oil temperature, two fifty to three hundred. That stuff wouldn't have been laying there very long at all, huh? No, but no, no, that's no. one of the things that we're. That was one of the things we were able to learn from it, and maybe it goes back in the. You got to pull it out of your, the old bank in your head sometimes and say, "Hey, remember when we did that? And why didn't that work?" And it makes you go different directions. I mean, to me, that's the biggest thing that I've learned in my career is when something doesn't work, just don't say it doesn't work and throw it over the corner. Say, "Why didn't it work?" I mean, to me, that is probably my biggest key to people and learning and you know my career was i had one guy tell me he goes he goes you know you're not the smartest engine builder i've ever worked for but he said you know if you do different than anybody else i go what he goes you're smart enough to say oh that's wrong and go the other direction to see if it's any better the other way so i said well okay at least i get credit for that so oh yeah exactly and we, we did that right and a lot of times like you said we yep. would try that's... stuff and it didn't work we we're like okay well all right, let's try the other direction and let's see what happens. And, you know, I mean, uh, the oil you use today is a classic example of that. It's If you look on paper, we can go way back in the archives and say, there's something we tried years ago that didn't really work that well. And what you're using today is pretty much the opposite direction of that. Because yeah, that didn't yeah, work. For sure. I mean, yeah, because we got, you know, I mean, there was times I think we got off a little bit on on things in the motor, oil, piston rings, pistons, whatever. And sometimes you just have to step back and go, what did we do here? And you have to, you have to go back and learn from it and say, Hey, you know, why, why are we not sealing up right now? Or why do we have blow by and, you know, stuff like that. And you just have to go back and look and say, Hey, this oil doesn't do this or this ring doesn't do that. Or, you know, I mean, there's, there's, everybody has their opinion, but you have to go back and look at the data yourself and say, what's going on here, you know? Well, like you say we talked about it in the previous, you know, episode I was on that, you know, ring seal really is like soup. You know, it's not just the broth, it's not just the chicken, it's not just the vegetables or the spices. You know, in ring seal, it's not just the piston, it's not just the ring, it's not just the oil, it's not just the hone. It's it's all of them. And I can think back over the years working together, we've seen that. You know, when we tried the mirror, you know, the really low RA mirror glazed, you know, deal. Uh, on the bore finish, that didn't work at all. You know, it's because well, even though it was smooth, it didn't hold yeah. enough oil. It's a good yeah. seal. I tell you, I tell you, what, when the, when the, when you put a motor on the dyno, it's got high high blow by and pan vacuums down. And man, when you start the list of people you can get mad at, okay, first of all, it's the ring guy. Second of all, it's the piston guy. Third, well, first of all, it's probably the home guy. You probably yell at him first. <laughs> it's the home guy. And then you then you start looking at the pistons, then you start looking at the rings, and then you go back to the oil, 
Then you go back to how the guy bolted, you know, how did he torque the head on to make sure the distortion is supposed to be right? It, it, like you said, it is, you're right. It's the whole entire suit, man. It's, I'm sure piston people have been cussed before when the ring guy should have been cussed. And I'm sure the ring guy got cussed when the home guy should have been cussed. And I mean, the honing stones are so critical of which ones you're using. And I mean, we ran into a batch last year of the stones had the same part number, but they were marked wrong. I mean, we, we couldn't get our home finished just because wow. the darn thing was marked wrong. You know, it's like, luckily we caught it after a couple of engines and we couldn't get to where we was going. And it was like, why is this not it? And, you know, got another batch of stones and all of a sudden they're right. You know, it's like, Hey, what's wrong with these stones? Oh, those are what those are supposed to be. They're marked wrong. That just cause some guy in some factory marked them wrong. You know what I mean? And you're, you're due to, you know I mean? That's not even a guy that you can be put into, you know, he just made the stone and he didn't even bother to nothing, you know? So it's just crazy how, like you said, it's all one big, one big soup, you know? One of the things you, you went through and, and learned in terms of the soup was, you know, going from the gray iron blocks to the compacted graphite blocks, you know, and how that was a big difference in trying just, you know, managing getting the right hone just because the bore material is different. That was, that was a big one in the early 2000s when GM came up with the compacted graphite block. We were one of the first teams to get them. I mean, man, when you started honing, even when you started tapping bolts and stuff, you could say, oh, this block's a lot harder. What do we got to do? You know, you got to change stones, you got to do this, you got to do that. And it's just really learning, you know, learning, building motors. And, you know, at that time, luckily, we were probably building 400 motors a week or 400 motors a year. And we got to try a lot of stuff. And luckily, we got onto it pretty quickly. You know, I mean, um, it's like this JD1 motor we started building right now. We've only got like six of them out in service right now. So we don't get to build them as much as we want to. And we're still fighting a little bit of honing issues, you know, trying to make sure the cylinder bores around. I mean, you know, we've probably built 10 of them all together, 10, 12. So, I mean, we're learning as we're putting it together, but man, it's, it's hard. It's hard to learn without putting motors together and see how they run, what you, what you really want to, you know, I mean, sometimes you got to take the motor apart to see what it wants. It's you're, sometimes you're just not smart enough to know what it is, you know? There's some things that you can and cannot tell us because it's cutting-edge technology, but the JD1 engine, if it's uh, so new, like what's better or what's supposed to be better or what's, uh, you know, why the evolution? Troy Herbst came to us about a little over two years ago and wanted us to build a motor uh, for his off-road truck team. And uh, we had just lost a bunch of business in the NASCAR truck going to the spec engine, so we said, sure. And we looked at a lot of the engines that were out there, you know, the Donovan blocks and the big block Chevrolets and the small blocks and the Fords, and and nobody really had. Well, one 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 guy had it, but I, being that he's like a brother to me, I couldn't use the Robert Jeep's uh, RY45, I think they call it. So I couldn't use that one just because I couldn't copy something somebody else. I could use something he was using. So we basically took a, a clean sheet of paper and put all the latest technology that we know of into this thing. So it, you know, it doesn't have the the bolt holes next to the cylinder walls to help distortion. It has a lot of stuff that, you know, that I thought needed to be updated on a motor like this. And that, that's what we came up with. But that being said, it's different from what a lot of people do. So we've had a couple head gasket issues. You know, we're still learning on that, working on that. Still, we're, we're getting the water flow down right. I think we got. I think the head gasket issue is caused by a hot spot in water. 
So we've learned that. We're putting more water there. Just things like that that you have to go out and race. You have to go get time on it. You have to get miles on it to look at stuff like that. So, it's like you were saying a minute ago, the engine is going to tell you what it's like, what it likes. Yeah, that's been my experience from the, from the oil side, which is you know why you know Mark and I you know work together to do you know oil analysis because in, in the end that's going to tell you what the engine likes and what it doesn't like. If something's wearing, you're going to see it. You know, you just got to listen to the engine. So, you know, that was one of the things we did over the years was, you know, do stuff like oil analysis, the visual inspection of the parts. And there's cause there's no substitute, like Mark said, of, you know, putting an engine in service and then letting it run. And that was one thing, you know, back in the early 2000s, you know, in NASCAR, you had qualifying motors, you had practice motors, you had race motors. I mean, the, the guys at the track back then, it was brutal, you know, to show up and with your with your practice motor and go out there and run first practice and then change motors and put in your your, your um, qualifying motor or go out there and run qualifying come back and change the motor put the practice motor back in and then you know you know then run that last practice then change motor put your race motor in it was when you had those many engines you had that much time you could really learn a lot because you just had that volume of engines and you were able to see stuff so much more rapidly than you do now, especially when you've got to run engines multiple races. You know, oh, yeah. now, we you know, like, we used, okay. we used to take motors no, apart no. every week. I mean, I don't even think we put 150 miles on our qualifiers. We're taking them apart now. Now they're getting two races, three races on semi side. You know, we're we're up to four races, and you don't see the thing apart for six months to seven months from now. You'll see it apart. So it is very hard to you know, like you said the rev- evolution of it is definitely slowed down. Now we all, you know, most teams now have ABL, uh, AC dynos, so we can do durabilities and stuff. And luckily we're probably the first cup team to have one. Thanks to Mr. Gibbs. Uh, he let's purchase one in the early 2000, late 99, 2000. And I mean, that was a game changer too. I mean, where we could, we could put something on the dyno and run 600 miles in the, from eight o'clock in the morning until one o'clock and then tear it apart. No, that day. I mean, that to me was our, was a huge game changer for durability, for testing parts, looking at, you know, how light a ring, how light a rod can we go to? How small a bearings can we run? What kind of oil the thing has? I mean, when we were able to start testing in-house and doing those tests, but that doesn't mean it was the exact same on the racetrack. We still had to go to the racetrack, but to me that stopped going to the racetrack three or four times, but it, man, that, that made the evolution ramp up big time. Well, I said that lets you try something like, you know, a 0.5 millimeter ring that would have seemed insane, you know, 20 years ago, you know, back in the old days, a 043 ring was small. And now, you know, you're talking about something that's, you know, 20, you know, um, thousands as opposed to uh, 043. And, but yet that same ring can run, what, thousands of race miles now on a short block. If I knew what I knew today back in 1990 or 1985 when I first started NASCAR, I'd be a genius. <laughs> I mean, wow. <laughs> you, go, you go back and you look at the size of connecting rods we ran and the size, how heavy the pistons were and how big the rings were. And all we did is, I mean, like you said, the 0.5 millimeter top ring, the thing looks like a, I mean... Looks like you could break it if you touch it. I mean, people that know me, I have some pretty big hands, and man, I'm scared to touch them. Sometimes they look so small, you know. I mean, 
but man, them things seal up so much better than anything else. And now the new, the new total conform ring, that thing's unbelievable. And now you, I mean, that thing's small and it's got slots in it. So you're like, holy cow, now, now the thing's really going to break. But man, you run it a thousand miles, pull apart, the thing looks brand new still. You know, the ring, the cylinder walls look better. The blow by looks better. The oil consumption looks better. Everything just looks so much better. And you're like, the thing's evolution, like you said, just goes. And it's crazy what it looks like today. If you looked at some of our motors back in 1990 and you look at them today, you'd you would go, yeah, there's no way you can run that stuff. And now we're looking for smaller, better, and, you know, even crazier stuff. I know. It's, you know, when we started doing that, you know, the test motor, you know, we that's out there at Ronnie Shavers, you know, that we, we, we did, you and I worked on that thing together 10 years ago to, to do the hot rod oil. You know, we were trying to yep. develop that. You know, the best thing I ever did for that engine was get rid of the 043 Mahler rings and put in some total seal 0.7 millimeter diamond finish rings. The consistency of that engine just went off the charts better. It just, you could just run it and run it and run it, and it became a Swiss watch. It didn't care, you know, because it's just the durability was so much better with a smaller ring, which is like you said, for most people, that's counterintuitive. If you'd said that in you know, 1988, those guys would never believe you. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, nah, that thing's gonna break, you know. But you know, but you know, in 1988, we had motors that made 15, 15 horsepower difference, and you built them the same. Now you build a bunch of motors that I don't know about everybody else, but we build them all, and they're all within one or two. You know, I mean, I think the days that we build a motor that's four or five better, I think it's a good dyno day. You know, I mean, it's cold outside or something. It's crazy how consistent, like you said, how consistent the rings are have made the motors more consistent. The smaller rings, they conform to hot around bores better, and they do other stuff, you know, that, man, I mean, back in the early, the late 80s and early 90s, I mean, we had motors that were, oh, this motor's 15 off, or this one's 10 better or something. We don't have that today unless we do something that is better or worse, you know what I mean? But today, just the consistency with the ring manufacturers and the piston manufacturer and stuff like that is just so much better today than we've ever had that, like you said, though, I don't think it'd be there if you had a 43 top ring in it still. Oh, no, it were, it, there's no way. that yeah. the You look at what we saw, the, the, the degradation in power over time. You know, the, the yeah. longer that engine runs, that bigger ring is just like a bigger file. And it just wears the bore more, which then changes the crosshatch, which changes the blow-by, yeah. which changes the power. It's just, it, it's. It, I can look back and see that now. <laughs> you know, in retrospect, yeah. and say, okay, that 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 was the thing that was changing it. You know, been able to been able to to do that. Actually, thought about you the other day. I was, went outside to go mow my yard, and everything in my in my yard, you know, my cars were all you know yellow because of all the pollen, you know, here in North Carolina. And I thought about that was one of the things that we 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 found right is that that was one thing that could change the dyno numbers is when the pollen came rolling in in the spring, you'd lose a couple horsepower just. <laughs> You couldn't figure oh, out why. Always, right. And you know, the other one that we thought about is when the guy comes in and changes var saw. We can almost document it now that when the guy comes in, puts new var saw in the shop, and you can smell that in the air, that for a couple of days we fight that also right now. That we don't like to dine on days that the var saw, the var saw gets changed out. I don't know what it is, but we can almost prove it that it's like 
wire the motors down and you'll you'll go, hey, the motor saw got changed out yesterday. You wait three or four days to get that smell out of the air, and all of a sudden the motors come right back up. So there's something to do with oxygen or something in the air that it doesn't like. You know, like you said, that stinky pollen. I'm sitting here looking at my computer right now. It's almost yellow. You know, it's like, dang, I got to go wipe this thing off. Well, there's another one, Varsol in the shop. You can, yeah, you think about the controlled air system. It's using the, it's yep. grabbing from the shop air somewhere. And like I said, you, if you can smell it, it means the light ends are evaporating, which means it's getting in the engine, and the engine doesn't like it. Yep, I guarantee places that have a lot of pollution. You know, not saying nothing about LA or any place else that has it, but I mean, man, you know, you got to fight that there too, right? You would think. You'd think, yeah. That, that, that gives me, those are the little things you learn over over the years of doing it, and you just look back your words, and you don't really because you don't know it at the time, but you just kind of keep you don't give up on it. You know, like you know the one guy said, uh, you just don't give up. You know, we're not that they we're right. smart. We just don't give up, and we just can't, we you don't just leave it the fact that okay, it didn't work. That just garbage throw it away. You kind of note and say, okay, well, we if it didn't work, we just don't understand something, and it, it's I know that from yeah. the chemical side. That when something didn't work, it meant we were missing a piece of information. Because chemicals are stupid, yes. you know. They're only going to do what they're designed to do. And if it didn't work right, like it was predicted, that means we're missing information somewhere. We just don't know where it is yet. And then maybe later on, you figure it out, you know. Yeah, but man, to, I mean, you think about the NASCAR engines. You know, the Toyota motor came into the series in 2007. The RL7 came in 2007. The Ford motor, I think, was 2009. So you're talking, we've been with these motors over 10, 10, 12, 13 years. Man, how much can you really keep beating on it? To, so the gains we're gaining are the little things, you know, the onesies, twosies. And you have to have, you have to be confident in your testing that the direction you're going is the right direction. You know, because if you think, if you have a, a bad dino day or it's raining outside or it's really super hot one day and it's cold the next day and you say, Oh, that's three or four better. You better go back and test it because I tell you, you can, you can make the wrong step and all of a sudden, you know, three, three months down the road, you say, you know, these motors just ain't that as good like they should be. And then you go back and say, Oh, look at that test. You know, that was, you know, we should have tested that again. You know, I preach it and preach it in my shop, you know, let's ABA it, you know, let's put it back together. Let's take another motor and do it to it because, I mean, the little changes you do, those onesies, twosies, you better make sure they're right, and you know, or you're going to be going down the wrong path. You know, we kind of did that on a piston thing last year. We we got off for about two months on a, uh, on something we told the piston guys to do, and we ended up undoing it and gained it right back. We're like, oh, that wasn't very smart of us, was it? You know what I mean? So <laughs> you better make sure when you test it, <laughs> you know. Cuss the hung guy, oh, cuss yeah. the ring guy, right? and it was the, the couldn't cuss the pistol guy either because that was something we told him to do. So he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know Jason Line said this one time, is uh, and he was one of your proteges, obviously, and he was the very first guest on Hidden Horsepower. By the way, Jason was. If it won't repeat, it's not real. Yes. Yep. You're right there. That's 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 something he always said, and that is a good point. If it does. And I repeat, it's not there. Don't, you know, and I, I love engineers, but sometimes the, it's, it's directionally correct. Isn't the right thing to say either. You know what I mean? Sometimes they, they'll go off and say that, Oh, it's directionally correct. And yeah, sometimes it is, but sometimes it doesn't make sense why it doesn't work either. And it just doesn't work too. So 
Mark, talk a little bit about Jason Line. Uh, you know, noticing uh, he he has been big in the drag racing world. We get to interact with him on a regular basis. His final year as a driver in pro stock. You know, he's going to focus on engine building and all. But we often reference his time with you guys on the Cup side. Uh, what was he like at that time? Yeah, I don't know if you want to ask me. <laughs> oh, I do. Oh, believe me, I do. And I'm going to text him whatever you say. I, I will say this about the, the three or four years. To, I think he worked for me for three years. Jason Lyon taught me a lot about dynoing, and I taught Jason a lot about consistency of building motors. I think both of us could sit down and tell you that because at the end, Jason, would, he was great at making sure that when he came and said this motor is down, that it was not the dyno. You know, he proved to himself that, no, this motor is down, my dyno's fine, and stuff like that. But can I, can I say, I have to tell a story about Jason Line. This is the greatest story I have about Jason. So when Jason first came to work for me, he would go back to Minnesota and go home to see his parents all the time. You know, not all the time, but once a month or something, go spend the weekend. So he comes to my office on a Thursday one day and goes, Hey, can I go to Minnesota? I go, dude, we got to have this motor down on Friday or on Monday. It's going to be done. We got done. Oh yeah. I'll be back by, you know, I go, he goes, I'll be back on Monday. I go, when's your plane getting? He goes noon. I said, okay. I said, I'll have it on the dyno, have it ready for you. So I had noon. It's on the dyno. It gets one o'clock. I'm like, okay, let me run it. So I run the dyno and I'll never forget it. It's we, he, I met Jason because of DTS dynos and DTS dynos. You had to press F2 to start the fuel pump. And I never, never remembered that. And every time I'd make a middle of dyno pole and I'd be out of fuel and I'd have to press F2. Well, four o'clock, I'm on my last dyno pole and I run it out of gas and I hear him laughing in, down the hallway. He won't even come to the dyno room. He's laughing. And I'm like, you, I said every word in the book. I get the motor done. I get done. I'm lashing it. Final lash. He comes walking. First thing I start yelling, you told me the plane got in at noon. He goes, yeah, I got in at noon in Minneapolis. I didn't tell you got in at noon in Charlotte. I just <laughs> just shook my head and said, only you could come up with that. He asked you when the plane gets in, and you say noon in Minneapolis. And then I got on the plane and came here. I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> that was that was a Jason Lang classic, how he would do me. <laughs> no, and will serve us very well the next time we speak with him. Thank you for that. Ammunition. What time does it get in at Charlotte? That, I, I'll never. I mean, I made that poll and the motor started missing because I didn't hit that fuel pump, and I heard him laugh, and I said, "Are you just too scared to come back?" And he goes, "Yep, right now I am." <laughs> but Jason, Go Jason's ahead. a great. I think I think I helped him, but I can surely tell you he helped me a lot on dynos and making sure stuff consistent and how to dyno and all that stuff. He is definitely a great dyno operator. Tremendous. Now, let's uh, let's get some numbers out there as best as we can, just because we as uh, listeners think about Joe Gibbs Racing, a premier, if not the premier Cup Series team in NASCAR and, and uh, many other areas. Uh, you know, in terms, we think of Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin and, you know, Martin Truex, Eric Jones as the faces, et cetera. But, uh, like, how many engines do you crank out? Uh, a year, a month, like how does that work? Like everyone's got to have engines that are equal. Nobody gets the good engine anymore, as far as we know. So give give us as best as you can just some numbers. Like how much work do you do? Okay, well right now, if 
everybody's got to remember we we do not do we have not done the cup engines for the NASCAR team since 2012. TRD out Costa Mesa does those. So we up until 2012 we did all the engines for all the Xfinity and all the all the uh, Cup cars up until 2012. There was a time before they went to the one engine rule back in like 2003, two, three, four. We were doing over 400 motors a week a year. I keep saying a week over 400 motors a year. Now, I'll tell you with the way it is, like, I think we built for last year, the whole Xfinity team with the three normal teams that we did. I hate to say this. I don't think we built 40 engines last year. So that's one reason why we went out and started looking for more business, you know, outside of, outside of NASCAR to get those numbers back up and stuff. Now on the cup side, I know there, you know, you can just say there's 40 races. They have to run the motors, you know, 10 or 12 of them or 13 of them twice. So you're looking at 30 engines per team that probably has to be built, maybe 20, 25 in that area probably because you have to run them. Some engines you have to run twice. So I'm going to say probably around 25 per team. So if you've got, you know, if you got four, uh, four team company like Joe Gibbs racing, uh, there's probably a hundred engines a, a year built for the cup cars and probably 30 to 40 for the Xfinity. So, you know, the numbers are there, but they're not like what they used to be, you know, just because of, you know, the, the economy and the step backs after 2008 stuff, we really had to lean back, lean, lean that out and get more efficient, which is, you know, it makes us better too. You know I mean? It's just kind of like F1. What, what are they getting out? Like six or something like that for the whole year. So, I mean, it's not what it used to be, but, and that's, that's why the ABL dinos and the durability dinos are, are valuable. So you can keep doing those, you know? So there's probably in that time, you know, on the cup side, there's probably 30 R and D engines built besides those other ones built for R and D purposes. You know, once upon a time, engines blowing up was part of it. And now it's almost, I don't want to say non-existent, but very rare. Is that, it's obviously what you've learned, but is it uh, improved uh, parts, pieces, metals, technology, design, everything? Speak on that, how uh, you know an engine failure is a rarity, whereas once upon a time it happened on a regular basis, every race. Oh, yeah. Back in the 80s, I mean, you'd have five or six guys fall out engines. And, you know, it didn't seem the car owners and the sponsors didn't seem to get that mad at you. But now, now you blow up a motor and the boss is down there. And they, I mean, the sponsors are calling you. It's like not <laughs> acceptable now. And you really think about what we do. But you know, hats off to all the manufacturers, the oil companies, the rod companies, the bearing companies, the crankshaft guys, the manufacturers with the blocks and stuff. Well, I think you got to remember. I mean, back in those days, we were taking stock blocks and making them into cut motors. I mean, now we got design blocks that are better compacted graphite that's better so i mean it's a it was a huge evolution and that's what came about it is there is no you know there no there's still there's still problems and people still have problems people still go through issues you know probably right now not picking on our spring guys but valve springs are probably still the number one issue but and i and i tell larry and matt from psi springs this all the time i go whatever made you Think about taking a piece of metal and pulling it into round and then twisting it into a circle, doing all this prep work, then hand it to some butthole like me that wants to turn it 10,000 RPMs and then hand it back to you and say, hey, it broke. I don't know if I'd ever get into spring company, but that's, but I mean, that, that is, you know, but man, my hats off to them guys too. They have turned 
what a spring was in 1997 when they first started to what it is today. It is completely different. But that's the evolution of us guys pushing the manufacturers to get better. Same as total seal rings. You know, you go back to when we bought total seal rings back in early days, you know, they were the Molly ring and stuff, and look what they've done. You know, how they got diamond lapped and these small, tiny steel rings and stuff. It just made they all the manufacturers stepped up and all the the ones that are still here today there's a lot of them we don't use no more because those people didn't step up the ones that are still here today are the companies that put forward the effort to make the product better to keep to step ahead of the next competition because you know the ring guys are ring guys right they want to be the best ring guys motor guys are motor guys they want to be the best motor guys so you have to you have to line yourself with the best and that's you know the the companies that are out there right now that are still building race car parts and still building parts, they're the best because their owners and their people are competitive too and want to be the best. So, I think you just summed it up right there. Yeah, that was that's it. It's you, you got to step up. You know, you know, Mark was you know the first guy in the cup garage to you know buy the we'll call it the modern uh, total seal piston ring not a gapless ring but the diamond finish ring that was something that matt told me that story you know that once matt knew what he he could make he went and talked to mark and said you know what if you could envision your perfect piston ring what what would it be and mark listed off all these things and matt said we got this 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 we can make it and mark said here's the pa i want them you know and that's it you know so it's like he said you got to step up you got to be competitive and you continue to drive. And that's one thing that, you know, it's awesome to be able to continue to work with Mark. You know, like I said, we, you know, putting the total conform rings into the JD one engine was okay. We're looking at what that engine's doing and what it needs. And here's a ring designed for it because you're just trying to get better. And that's what makes it awesome to have a guy like him. That's, you know, a customer slash partner in the growth of total seal, because we just keep getting better because we keep working together. You know, it's a two-way street, and that's something that I've learned from Mark and I've tried to always uh, pass that along with everybody else who work with it. You know, if you if it'll be a two-way street, we'll always get better together than we ever will alone. Boy, that, boy you hit it right there. Like, that is – so I know a lot of guys that may want to hold their secrets away from their manufacturers or they don't want to tell people, man, I tell you, in my life I've learned that, man, you talk to Total Seal and – you have a problem, they help you fix it. And if, when your things are going good, you help them test stuff. And it's a, like you said, it's a two-way street. A one-way street sometimes is not a good way to get, of going because you put yourself on an island and you, you you get yourself in trouble. And, man, it's hard to get off that island sometimes by yourself. And, I mean, you have to work with your partners to keep the evolution going because we're, there, none of us are the – the uh, the most smartest people in the world. It's like one thing I always say about Lake Speed. He's my, he's my oil God. I don't know that much about oil, but Lake does and Lake's my partner. So that's why I call Lake when I want to talk about oil because he's smarter than I am. You, you have to find them people in your life that know rings better than you know rings and know this part better than you know parts because there's somebody that works on pistons or somebody that works on rings only and they're, they're going to be smarter than you are that works on the whole package putting it together. I like to think I'm smart on some things, but I think I think Matt and all the guys at Total Seal are the smartest guys with rings. I don't know that much. You know what I mean? I know what ring I want. I understand what they do, but these guys are the ones that know how to build them and know how to do this. I don't know that. Same as the piston guys, same as the cylinder, you know, the manufacturers of the blocks and stuff. They're the professionals. you got to 
you got to have a relationship with these people and you got to trust them and they got to trust you. And that's the way the world turns. I mean, that's how I built my career. And I think it's worked out pretty good for that. Tremendous. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Simple as that. And Lake, normally at the end of every show, I ask our guest to uh, impart a little wisdom to the up-and-comers out there, the person who is mechanically inclined, maybe starting a shop, maybe building their first engine, maybe early on in the curve, some sort of wisdom. Mark, you might have just done it right there. That was uh, unprompted and amazing. Uh, Anything else you'd like to say to those folks out there that are the next wave following in your footsteps that they could find useful? Oh, that's okay. I can't get ready for this one. I would say broaden your horizon. Make sure you know CAD. Make sure you know a little bit of engineering. Make sure you know how to hone a block. Make sure you know how to fit rod bearings. Make sure you know how to do it all. Because when you, like in my position where I'm a manager, I lead department, I think I have a lot more trust with my employees that work for me. They're like, when I go and talk to Doug Easton about building a motor, he knows I can talk to him because I built motors. And when I go in the engineering department and talk to Dustin, and we're working on CAD, he knows that I know a little bit about CAD. I don't know it all, but I at least can get my way through that stuff. Don't sit yourself on, I'm going to be the best engine builder, but I'm not going to do that. You have to you have to really broaden your horizon and know a little bit of everything because that's going to get you further on down the road. Mark Cromquist from Joe Gibbs Racing, thank you so much. One of the best, Lake, one of the best. Hearing you guys just kind of talk about the current situation and circumstances out there uh, in the context of the technology wave we've seen over the past 20 years, simply amazing. Lake, any final thoughts for Mark? I'm just thankful that Mark uh, was able to come on, that we had this time. You know, this time of year, normally we would not be, you know, blessed to have this kind of time. So we're trying to make the best out of this current situation and thank you mark for for sharing like you always do just open book and and not being you know reserved and hiding all the information to yourself and um just thanks for the opportunity we appreciate everything oh no problem appreciate you guys having me on call me anytime thanks mark and there he goes mark cronquist from joe gibbs racing lake that was amazing yeah thanks joe i appreciate i'm I'm glad he was able to get on here you know and it's mark's just a great guy you know, like I said, he's been such a a mentor to me. You know, you can kind of probably pick that up, right? That his philosophy is, that's where I got it from. It's not that I was smart and got all this stuff. It's that I had a guy like him that was a mentor that kind of showed me that way. And then you just keep, you know, repeating those things and then and they work. So you keep going back to them, you know, because that same principles you know, are really important. And, and part of what he said too, is a lot of that comes from the top down from Joe Gibbs. You know, Joe is an amazing leader, uh, created a great organization there that enabled a lot of that. And very thankful to be able to be a part of that and try to carry on that legacy. You know, we've already decided that Mark's going to have to come back on in the future to share maybe some more <laughs> of those stories. Right? Like this was like laying the foundation of what could end up being multiple episodes, because I know you guys have more stories. I was very happy, though, that he threw Jason line under the bus a little bit. Oh, of course. He's got to throw Jason under the bus. I mean, Jason, you know, I- I'm going to tell him myself. So I have a nickname uh, uh, amongst certain friends that I'm lack of speed. 
And that was directly from Jason. So Jason is going to give hell. He's going to get to get some hell too back. So it goes both ways with Mr. Line. There it is. Now, Lake, uh, for, again, for our listeners out there, they're working on an engine project. This is the time where Keith would normally give out his number, tell them where to go, tell them what to do, implore them to call before they go out and buy everything and then make a mistake on the rings. Oh, yeah. So please, you know, call us at Total Seal. I mean, the guys are there. Uh, I don't have the 800 number memorized because I'm still the new guy at the place, you know. But, you know, totalseal.com, all the information is there. You know, also, you know, we got a, a, a great YouTube channel now. You know, uh, if you go to the YouTube and you know, type in Total Seal Piston Rings, go to our YouTube channel. There's lots of videos we've created that are there that have a lot of that information, which, you know, I would say if you're, if you're really serious about a project, go to the YouTube channel, watch some of those videos First, all the hidden horsepower episodes are there, by the way. Um, watch, listen. That'll get you some basis. Then call up Keith or Kevin or Bobby and talk to those guys and, and walk them through the project because that'll give you some of the background language you need to help them be able to get you further, faster, uh, and be able to unlock that hidden horsepower uh, in your engine. 800-874-2753, and you'll get one of the guys there. Lake, thank you so much. You are uh, beyond halfway in a stint as co-host. Uh, the job with Keith Jones, tremendous, getting to hear about your background and your father's racing and how you got here now uh, with Mark from Joe Gibbs Racing, tremendous. But the next episode is going to be Shaver Specialties Racing Engines. You mentioned Ron a little bit. In the past couple of episodes, what do we have in store? Uh, I can't wait for this one. Ron's uh, like my second dad. You know, it's, it's uh, the testing we did and the, the experience out there with Ron and, and Don and, and Dan and Keith and Craig and um, Paul and Dennis. I mean, all the guys there, Manny, everybody at Shaver Specialty Racing Engines, are, they're, they're near and dear to my heart because they're people that, you know, that's where – you know, like Mark said, you know, he, he's not just a guy that just kind of has theoretical knowledge as a manager. He's also a guy that has honed blocks and does some CAD, right? He, he's got his hands-on. Shaver Specialty is where I really did a lot of the hands-on stuff. Like, they weren't going to let me touch cut motors, you know. I could, you know, we could talk about things and dyno and test things, but I wasn't the one running the dyno. At Shaver's, I ran the dyno. You know, that's where I got to be hands-on. So it's it's really kind of neat to be able to kind of bookend, you know, talking to Mark and then be able to go talk to Ron uh, because of the the parallel of experience, you know, as well. Well, that is great. Something to look forward to for you listeners out there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, the YouTube channel, all places you can hear the podcast. Watch those YouTube videos and hit their website, TotalSeal.com. Lake, thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. And that'll do it for this episode of Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal. My name is Joe Costello. You can follow me on Twitter at WFO Joe. And I am just so honored to be able to host this podcast and learn so much from the best of the best in the engine building trade. It has been amazing. We've got past episodes. If you've missed any one of them, go back Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube. Listen to the old shows starting out with Jason Lyon. We've had Stevie Fast and right on through. Uh, they are waiting for you if you like what you're hearing. And if you like what you're hearing, there's more to come. So be subscribed. Stay ready. Another episode of Hidden Horsepower is coming soon.